Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week on Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks as always for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Beautiful weather this time of year. Fall golf is your thing then Dancing Rabbit Golf Club should be your thing as well. You can book a tee time or plan your trip online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we always encourage you to join us on the Ceasefire text line. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at Ceasefire.com slash business. We unfortunately have got to uh, to begin the show today with uh, some very sobering news out of Starkville. Um, a release just came from Mississippi State that tells us that um, the Bulldog community, the Mississippi State community, is saddened to learn of the death this morning of freshman student athlete Samuel Westmoreland. He was 19 years old and was from Tupelo. He is a graduate of Tupelo High School, was an offensive lineman for Mississippi State's football team, and was an industrial technology major. Dr. Mark Keenum said in a statement, one of the most profound lessons I've learned while leading this great university is that the tragic loss of one of our students diminishes all our students and all of us at Mississippi State feel the impact of Sam Westmoreland's death. My prayers are with Sam's family and friends with his MSU teammates and coaches, and with the Tupelo community during this most difficult time. Mike Leach's statement reads, The Mississippi State Athletics family is heartbroken by the sudden death of Sam Westmoreland. Sam was a beloved son, brother, and teammate, and a tremendous young man with a limitless future. He will always be remembered and deeply missed by everyone who knew and loved him. The entire MSU family mourns as our thoughts and prayers go out to the Westmoreland family, Our highest priority is the support of the Westmoreland family and our student-athletes during this troubling time. John Cohen's statement reads, We are heartbroken by the sudden loss of Sam Westmoreland. Mississippi State is a family, and we are all mourning during this trying time. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Westmoreland family and everyone who knew and loved Sam. 
There is a line in the statement that says the university is working in cooperation with the Octibaha County Sheriff's Department, the Octibaha County Coroner's Office, the Division of Student Affairs at MSU, and the Athletics Department to determine the facts of the incident, and we'll have no further comment until that assessment is completed. Also in this release from the university, a reminder that sessions are available with the Student Counseling Services Office, which is open 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can visit their website, counseling.msstate.edu, or you can call them if you need counseling services at 662-325-2091. There is a program at Mississippi State called My Student Support. That is available. Users receive confidential short-term counseling support at no cost via text-based chat, voice, and video sessions. It's available 24 hours a day seven days a week, and is available in multiple languages. And um, in the event that uh, you need to contact them, you can always contact the Dean of Students Office, dos at msstate.edu. I know that was wordy, but I just felt like we would provide that information for you exactly as it has been presented by Mississippi State. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. Don't know the details, and frankly, probably the details are are not of concern, at least not at this point. The immediate concern is the Westmoreland family, his teammates, his friends and loved ones who were close to him, and this is just incredibly sad news. Yeah, you know, obviously as someone who covers Mississippi State, I wish I knew more about this young man to tell you about and tell you what kind of person he was. But obviously, this is a huge tragedy up here. Uh, if you may have been paying attention today, Mike Leach was not on the SEC teleconference. Mississippi State has canceled its media availability afterwards, and uh, this will be a, a you know a very very uh, tough time for Mississippi State going forward in, in these next you know few days as they try to, to to get past this moment. But yeah, just an awful tragedy, and uh, you know I don't I don't like I said I didn't know the young man, don't know his family, but I certainly my prayers and thoughts are with him. Again, Sam was an offensive lineman from uh, from Tupelo. He was the uh, named to the Northeast Mississippi Football Coaches Association All Star Game as a senior in 2022. He was a Region Two Six A second team honoree following his senior season at Tupelo. Helped guide them to back to back playoff appearances in 2019 and 2020. The son of Amanda and Josh Westmoreland. He has a sister named Marilyn as well. And so to the Westmoreland family and to uh, all the folks that knew Sam, uh, whether we're talking teammates or classmates or dorm mates or friends, people that knew him in Tupelo, certainly people that know him now in Starkville, uh, we offer our um, most sincere condolences uh, to all of you in this loss. Whew. There is no easy way to transition out of that. No. One more thing. You you read off the, the the resources and stuff available, and this goes for anybody. If you have something like that that is afforded to you, whether it be through work or some insurance companies you might not know actually have that option, uh, as somebody who has used it, that kind of stuff before and is currently doing it, even if you don't feel like you have to, use them. Yeah. yeah, use them. 
Uh, there is absolutely no shame in reaching out for help, uh, regardless of how big or how how small that uh, that help is that you think you may need or just think you might need. Um, absolutely, re- reach out and use the resources that are available to you, and uh, and find a friend and hug them and uh, and love on them. If uh, if you know someone, I mean, never never mind reaching out on your own. If if you know someone or see someone that seems like they're just having a bad day or or struggling more than just on a single day reach out to them let them know that they're loved and that uh, that you are thinking about them ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395 if you want to be a part of the conversation we would love to hear from you this afternoon we've got plenty to uh, plenty to get into um don't know that we'll spend much time on basketball today, though SEC Basketball Media Days was happening, is happening in uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. That is not quite the same spectacle that uh, SEC Football Media Days is, but it is uh, it is happening, and we are very, very close to the start of the college basketball season, just, uh, what, about two and a half weeks away from the, uh, from the season beginning. Got plenty of football to get into this afternoon. Earlier today, because his radio show is at the exact same time that ours is, uh, I recorded a conversation uh, with Matt Moscona, who is with ESPN Baton Rouge on the radio. We'll talk with Matt. Matt has been uh, quite vociferous this week in his belief that LSU is going to win at home against Ole Miss on Saturday. Uh, we talk about that, and we talk about some of the reasons that he thinks that that is, uh, is going to be the case. Uh, we'll spend some time on Mississippi State and Alabama this afternoon as well as we get closer to the matchup in Tuscaloosa that is coming up this Saturday night. Obviously, um, a uh, a day where football seems less important for that Mississippi State football team uh, after the loss of a uh, of teammate. We'll also get into um, into some of what's happening around the SEC. And uh, around the top 25. So so last week, we had a week where we had three games involving undefeated teams, which was an anomaly for that late in the season. We also had six games matching teams that were ranked in the uh, in the top 25. You know, interestingly enough, you, you look at the schedule in the SEC, and it's this is it's one of those rare weekends where the SEC is not taking center stage. You've got five teams that have their open date this weekend. Tennessee, perhaps fortunately after the emotional release of last week's win against Alabama, they get UT Martin this week. And um, if ever there was a week where there was going to be a little less focus for Tennessee, you would think that probably this is it. Uh, So a a pseudo-open date for them. Obviously Ole Miss LSU is the CBS game and is grabbing a lot of attention. You've got Vanderbilt and Missouri Mississippi State, Alabama, Texas A&M at South Carolina, which I actually think could be kind of an interesting game on Saturday night. It's a critical one for Jimbo. Hey, Dad and I briefly talked about yesterday. This is another one of those weird weekends where all of the games of national interest happen while the sun is still up. Clemson-Syracuse is 11 a.m. I mean, if you want to go away from Ole Miss-LSU, UCLA-Oregon, Number nine versus number ten is at two thirty. I mean, the Texas Oklahoma is at two thirty. Oklahoma State is at two thirty. Yeah, all of the big games except for you know Mississippi State and then TCU Kansas State are while the sun's up. 
You're you're right. I mean, you've only got one and that well, two top twenty five matches: Mississippi State, Alabama, Kansas State, TCU. Happening after the sun goes down on Saturday, uh, it's going to be, I, I think, another really good day of college football. It's just not a weekend where the SEC necessarily is taking center stage. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Just getting started in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Couple of messages on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. And these kind of go along with what we talked about just right out of the gate with the uh, the death that has been uh, reported by Mississippi State of uh, freshman offensive lineman Sam Westmoreland from Tupelo. We get a message that says, I just don't know what to say. I've got a son that's at Mississippi State. I can't imagine. My prayers are with that family. Uh, Hunter follows up with... Um, Terrible when young, healthy people uh, are no longer with us. Just heartbreaking. And and you know this has been there. There's been a short window this week in which there has been tragedy that has struck the Mississippi State community now and the Ole Miss community over the weekend uh, with the uh, the death of a young man from uh, Jackson who was uh, was run over in a parking lot behind City Hall on. Uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning in Oxford. Um, it's hard to escape tragedy, and um, it happens more often than any of us would uh, would like to think about, and just absolutely awful. And we, uh, we continue uh, as we get a message that says, praying for the Mississippi State and Tupelo families. This is from a Vols fan uh, who listens as well. So thank you for, uh, for that. Let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit about this matchup with Mississippi State and Alabama, which is coming up on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Alabama is a three-touchdown favorite, 21-point favorite in the ballgame. The total points in that game are 60-and-a-half. And, you know, especially after what happened on Saturday night in Lexington, nobody is... I won't say nobody that's painting with an awfully broad brush, but the number of people that are predicting an upset in this game for Mississippi State, are few and far between. Brian Haydad is not one of them. But he also was honest that there's nothing that could have happened on Saturday night in Lexington that would have caused him to be someone to predict an upset. So, what have you seen from Alabama this year that could potentially give you some hope if you're a Mississippi State fan going into this game? They're still going to play the game. It's still a game between two SEC teams, and we have seen that when it is clicking, this Mississippi State offense can put points up in a hurry. They can control the ball. It can control time of possession. They can make it difficult if you are not incredibly sound in your assignments and in the way that you defend them. We've also talked about the way that you make it difficult for Mississippi State, and that's by getting pressure on Will Rogers and, and bringing it from different places. 
But, hey, Dad, this is a little bit different version of Alabama. They just lost a game in conference play in which they gave up 52 points. Tennessee is a much different type of offense than Mississippi State is, but they are a team that is driven by their offense. Tennessee gave up 49 points in the game. So, is there a game plan that you look at for Mississippi State based on what you've seen from Alabama this year where you you go, you know what, this is how the Bulldogs have some success offensively. It's really tough. It's really tough to see it just because Alabama so good at rushing the passer and, and, and what they can do with their linebackers and State's offensive line has not done well. The way State's played on the road this year, I don't feel like that's an outlier. I feel like for whatever reason they're just not a good road team. You know, they didn't they didn't play dominant football by any stretch of the imagination against Arizona, and then they you know LSU and Kentucky. Those results speak for themselves. So, to be honest, I feel like for State to win this game, it's going to be a game where. You're going to have to get like a second game in a row for Alabama where there are a lot of penalties, turnovers, mistakes, stuff you just don't expect from Alabama. And that's how upsets happen, right? When the when the better team makes mistakes and the lesser team takes advantage of them. So it's tough to count on Alabama to make mistakes. But as far as offense goes, you know, I, I'm not expecting Dylan Johnson to play in this game based on what I've heard. Um, so I, I don't know how much threat State is going to have running the football. And when State can't run the ball, they, they really can't do anything. Can we talk about that narr- the, the idea, though? I don't know if it's a narr- I guess it's been proven true in the past. But I, I've seen a lot of, oh, well, Nick Saban's going to be really mad now. And haven't we seen that already this season? Now, their next couple of games were, were walkthroughs, basically. What was it, Louisiana Monroe and Vanderbilt before they played somebody with a pulse again? But Alabama already had a game where they turned the football over, where they played poorly up front on the offensive line, where they and were where they had a ton of penalties. What was it, fifteen in Austin? I think something like that. They are the most penalized team in college football. Now remember the narrative after that game is, oh well, oh Nick Alabama had a lot of penalties and and they made mistakes. Nick Saban's going to be mad and they're going to get right and then they play Arkansas and. It, the score doesn't reflect what, what happened in that game. Arkansas had uh, had a fight, or Alabama had a fight on their hands, if not for a third and 15 quarterback run conversion for a touchdown that basically ended the game. But if Arkansas doesn't miss a tackle there and they get off the field, they've got the football down, what was it, five? Five, the, yeah. yeah. And then they play Texas A&M down to the final play in a, a game where they were sloppy, where they turned the football over, they had a bunch of penalties. And then... They go to Knoxville, and it's the same story. They played sloppy, apparently. Or that's what. Maybe that's just who they are now. And no matter how mad Nick Saban is, I'm, I'm not saying that State's going to win because I don't. I mean, they're not. I don't think. But th- this idea that oh well, Saban's going to be mad and he's just going to go win this game by 50 points. Are they capable of playing that well to win a game against a team like State? Who is is good like that? I don't think they're capable. Yes. Nah, you're wrong. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't normally just say, normally I'll be like, well, I see what you're saying. I just disagree with you. You're wrong. They're, they're more than capable of winning this game by a very large margin. For whatever reason, Alabama has State's kryptonite. If you look at the, the results the last couple of years, everybody's been able to get in the end zone in Alabama. Last year, Alabama beat Florida, not a good Florida team, beat them by two. Uh, they beat Ole Miss by 21. They beat Arkansas by seven. They beat LSU by six. They beat Auburn by two. And they lost to uh, Texas A&M, right? So everybody in the West the past few years has been able to put up points and score on Alabama, except for Mississippi State. Can't do it. Zero points year one, nine points last year, and they were all uh, all field goals. So for whatever reason, Mississippi State, the, 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 Alabama's just been their kryptonite, and, and they, they can't do anything against them. I was saying even before the Kentucky game, I was like, just just to get through this game and score 17 to 20 points would be huge improvement for Mississippi State. I'll be shocked if I see 17, 20 points from State this weekend. The longest win streak in this series for Alabama is 22 games. It happened between 1958 and 1979. Alabama has currently won 14 straight in the series. The last win for Mississippi State came in 2007. They won 17-12 to in Nick Saban's second year. It was the second of consecutive wins for Mississippi State. I'm sorry, first year for, for Nick Saban. They beat Mike mm-hmm. Shula's Alabama team in 2006-24-16 in Tuscaloosa, Following year seventeen to twelve over Nick Saban's Alabama team, but since then it's been Alabama, and it hasn't been particularly close. Thirty-two to seven, thirty-one to three, thirty to ten, twenty-four to seven, twenty to seven. Eh, close-ish there. That was in twenty thirteen. Five-point mm-hmm. game in twenty fourteen in Tuscaloosa, twenty-five to twenty. Mm-hmm. Big upset win for Alabama there, beating the number one team in the nation. Yeah. There was a 51-3 rolled in there when Alabama won. And anyway, you, you, you get the point. Yeah. From a game plan standpoint, given the area that Alabama has struggled the most, and that is in their secondary, that is defending wide receivers without being called for penalties, doesn't Mississippi State have to force the ball down the field have to. As I mean, you say that they have to, but check down, check down, are they check going down. to? I mean, I just don't see this offense doing that. I just don't see Will Rogers being that aggressive and trying to take it, trying to hit those passes. You know, that, that that's just not what this offense has been. I wish we had access to the All Twenty Two. I would love to see, especially in Lexington, what downfield looked like. Because you, you saw it with Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. I mean, that's some of the best quarterback play you'll see. Guys are covered, and they're throwing completions. And covered, in, in air quotes. Sometimes you got to force the football and throw it in a tight window down the field to complete passes. A guy just can't be open for you to throw the football. Risks, to some degree, have to be taken. Those two guys didn't just throw to open receivers. They threw receivers open, which is why they had great days. Rodgers has to do that, too. If you watch the game without looking at a stat book, you would think that Hendon Hooker threw for 500 yards. He didn't. Yeah. He threw for 385 in that game, which is a great day. It's big. 
brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We have had a lot of fun with the Polk's pick six throughout the course of the year. The number of respondents seems to be growing every week. This week, 439 responses on supertalk.fm slash Polk's, where all you have to do is pick winners. It's easy, right? We're not even dealing with the spread. We're not asking you to pick games against the spread. We're only asking you to pick winners. Do you remember last week when we had, how many, was it 420 responses? Something like that last week. Maybe 460. I I don't remember exactly what the number was. And over 100 of you got all six games right. Here was the breakdown this week. Auburn Ole Miss, 429. Well, I tell you what, it's actually broken up. I'll give you... Roughly what the responses were. 93% picked Ole Miss to beat Auburn. Overwhelmingly Ole Miss. That one turned out to be right. Arkansas State at Southern Miss. 17% of you picked Arkansas State to win that game. And boy, for a while it looked like those 17% of you were going to be brilliant. Southern Miss, 13 in the fourth quarter. And so the 83% of you that picked Southern Miss turned out to be right. 84% picked Mississippi State. To beat Kentucky, the 16% were correct. 68% picked Alabama to beat Tennessee. I was actually kind of surprised to see the number of Tennessee responses in there. Oklahoma State was as close to dead even as we've had. 50.4% on Oklahoma State. I'm sorry, on TCU. 49.6% 49.6% on Oklahoma State. And LSU Florida, overwhelmingly. 66% picked Florida. 34% picked LSU. So, hey, Dad, would you care to hazard a guess out of the 439 responses this week, how many people got all six games right? Like 25? That number is high. Oh, okay. The number, the number is greater than zero. It is less than To make your job easy 15. this week, Richard? Well, it, it still many? took a... One. One person got all six games right oh, out wow. of 439 responses this week. Congratulations to Reese... I don't think I'm supposed to say his last name. I haven't been doing that. Reese, I will be sending you a text message and an email shortly to get your information so that you may uh, receive your prize package, a six-pack of Polk's meat products. And I will tell all of you that the Polk's Pick 6 for Week 8 is live now. Supertalk.fm 
slash Polks. That's where you go to enter your selections. We wish you better luck than you had last week. Ole Miss at LSU. Southern Miss at Texas State. Mississippi State at Alabama. Texas A&M at South Carolina. UCLA at Oregon. Texas at Oklahoma State. Those are the six games. The tiebreaker this week is the total number of points scored in Baton Rouge in the Ole Miss LSU game. It's really that simple. You pick six winners, you give us your tiebreaker, total number of points, name, phone number, email address, boom, you're done. All you got to do is hit submit. And the contest will be open until 10.45 on Saturday morning. For those of you that are trying to enter more than once, we do have timestamps and IP addresses and all that. It really makes my job easier if you just enter one time and you do it before 10.45 on Saturday morning. Uh, but, you know, do, do what you got. It was funny. We had, uh, we had three people that entered on Sunday, and all three of them went six for six in the games that they picked. All three of them also were deleted, but that is, you know, you, you understand. It was crazy last week. Crazy. And there were a lot of people that got four of them right, like in, in the order in which they were uh, put out. Got the Ole Miss game right, got the Southern Miss game right, got Kentucky right, got Tennessee right, but then got tripped up on either Oklahoma State, TCU, or LSU, Florida. So good luck to you this week. Supertalk.fm slash Polk. A Polks for your chance to win a six-pack of Polks meat products. Can I drop a TV ratings nugget on you? Please do. This this kind of stuff fascinates me. So, okay. you know how sometimes I complain about national platforms and how they don't cover college football? Like They treat it like an afterthought, even the worldwide leader who spends billion-plus dollars on college football? Mm-hmm. Um, last night's Lakers-Warriors game on NBA season opening night was the most-watched season-opening NBA game in three years. Three and a half million viewers. Pretty good. Good for them. By my count, I may have missed a couple here or there. There are about 20 college football games who, by the way, never stand alone, are never by themselves, are constantly in competition with each other. There are at least 20 college football games that have been watched by more people than the most watched NBA standalone season opener in three years. Wow. College football is the clear number two sport in this country. Clear. It's not even close. It is the NFL, which is outside of our atmosphere and on Mars. College football is in our atmosphere. Then you got to start digging into the Earth's crust before you start getting to the other sports. Uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, what, a little over 2 million people watched Ole Miss Auburn on ESPN? Which will do better than 99.9% of the NBA games this year. Let's see, what was the, uh, let's see, what's the number for the Alabama I'm having trouble finding that one. CBS, college football. Alabama, Tennessee was 11.5 million. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. That was the most watched program on Saturday by a long shot. Wow. That's a lot of people. 
So why do you yeah. think they don't cover it differently, Borky? It's a mystery to me. I think they're they're insulated in their bubbles. They've got people that live in New York or L.A., and they think that what is important to New York or L.A. is what's important to the rest of the country. That's what it is. That's what it's got to be. Because the Lakers played last night. So you got all these people that are based in L.A. that are like, oh, my God, everybody around here is talking about the Lakers, and then you go one state over, and it's like, wait, nobody cares. Yeah. That, that's what it is. I have two friends. I have two friends that live in D.C. Obviously, you know one of them, Ross Dellinger. And I was talking to him recently. I was like, what is college football there? He's like, it's non-existent. Nobody cares. Like, you have everybody has like a bar. There's a Mississippi State bar. There's an Ole Miss bar where they get together and watch the games. But from a, if you just walk into an average sports bar, it's all MLB, NFL, NHL. That nobody's, nobody's watching college football. Yeah. As always, the North is to blame for everything bad. That surprises me a little bit in D.C. because there's so many transplants from so many other places. Yeah. But, I don't know. Chase asked if those ratings are broken down by regions. I'm sure, Chase, there is a place where you can uh, you can break it. He goes, because my friends in San Diego just couldn't care less possibly about college football. So local markets will release theirs, but no, that those, that's all just a national number. I mean, I mean I'm sure the three and a half million people that watched the Lakers game last night, the overwhelming majority of them were in California because they played the Warriors, who are also in California. College football dominates the more rural South, uh, let's be clear, but the numbers speak for themselves, right? If you're a national platform and you're selling to national advertisers don't you want to reach the most people it's just me i don't know i mean espn reaches every corner of every state in america don't they yeah wouldn't Mm -hmm. you want to get the most people to to watch that's just me i don't know i mean you can cater to new york and la if you'd like but college football the numbers tell you very clearly it is the number two sport in america and in the the next best one is not close, not close. Co- the the major league baseball playoffs will not touch most college football weekends. Won't yeah. touch it. And some of the MLB playoff numbers were good from Saturday. Oh, and they will be good, not college football good, which is crazy to say, but it's yeah. true. It's it's absolutely different. Um, Scotty says, "Is there any way to confirm your picks went through?" Uh, since you asked, Scotty, I did a, a search in my Google document, and I found one Scotty, I'm assuming that that was you, uh, that submitted your picks. But in terms of can you, no, there's really no way to, you, you got to trust us. Um, it's all going into a form, and it gives us all kinds of different pie charts and bar graphs to show the way everybody did. And then I sort through the thing line by line uh, to figure out who got the most right. And if we need to go to the tiebreaker, we do that. Uh, so your, your picks did go through, as did 438 other people's, and we invite you to participate again this week at super talk, uh, supertalk.fm slash polks. We'll be right back. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Final segment of the first hour. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Be sure to check out the Collegiate Collection. Pick out gear that has the logo of your favorite team on it. And it's a great-looking logo on great-looking shirts, pullovers, quarter zips. Got some outerwear. I actually stopped by and saw the folks at uh, Genteel. Fantastic-looking stuff for the fall. Quilted coats, quilted vests. Got great-looking pullovers that are uh, different weights, whether it's performance material, like Hey Dad tried on uh, on Friday and fell in love with. So it was the first time he'd ever had one of those. And he kind of put it on board, and he's like, it's a little snug. I was like, Hey Dad, you got room in the arms. You got plenty of length on the sleeves. He's like, she hadn't worn anything quite like this. I was like, it's the new you. Became a. I mean, you had performance gear on. You just you got to learn how to. Got to learn how to perform. To perform. Yeah. He, he wore it for a second. And he's like, "All right." I put on a performance every time I'm behind this microphone. What are you talking about? And he's like, "Hey, when they embroider it, you think you could put that script state on there?" I was like, "Yeah, I think we can uh-huh. do that." Dropped it off this morning. Hey, Dad, you'll you'll have the the Super Talk logo on the chest, and you'll have that script mm-hmm. state logo on the sleeve. Be I great. like that. Be great. Yeah. Got you the uh, the charcoal gray. I think that we've got a uh, a maroon pullover for you as well. Ooh, and, uh, some shirts. Ooh. Hey, Dad wouldn't even give me back the shirt that uh, that he wore on Friday that needed to be embroidered. He's like, no, I'm just going to keep this one. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can check them out, GentileApparel.com, and uh, you can also find them in men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi. Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, S.F. Allman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, and the Country Gentleman in Greenville, just to name a few. I don't think we've talked about this. You don't have to put your brain in too much of a pretzel to see Alabama with three losses right now. Yeah. Nope. I mean, so, so so they just lost to Tennessee. The week before that, we talked about the final play and the terrible play call by Jimbo that cost Texas A&M the opportunity to walk out of Bryant-Denny with a win. And if you rewind to Lexington, if Will Riker doesn't hit the field goal at the end, they don't win. A lot of people have said if Quinn Ewers doesn't get knocked out of the game, they don't win. Yeah, you can if, if, if. They won the games. But there were signs leading up to that Tennessee game that this Alabama team was a little bit different than some of the Alabama teams that we have become accustomed to. So why, hey, Dad, is it that you are so certain that Mississippi State doesn't do much in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night? I mean, I think it's a combination of two things. Is the way State's played on the road this year, I mean... Alabama is better than LSU and Kentucky, and State looked terrible in both of those games offensively. But then I think also part of it is I'm doing that thing I I say you should never do, and I'm letting history kind of dictate what my thoughts are for this year. But State hasn't scored a touchdown in Tuscaloosa since the end of the fourth quarter in 2014. The last four meetings, State scored a combined 16 points. So you're saying at the midway point of the Obama's administration second term? Yes. Yeah. The last person, the last Bulldog to score a touchdown in uh, in Tuscaloosa was Jamie on Lewis. 
Really? Because the last okay. one. State under under with Saban there against Alabama, despite having one win but in what fourteen losses, they average eight point five points per game against Alabama. They just don't score. They've only scored double digits four times against Alabama under while well, he's while well, Saban's been there. They just dominate them, and I just don't see this team being the one that changes that that up. It is hard to see that. I... Uh, What's funny, Chase pointed it out on the text line, and he's right. This super vulnerable Alabama team has one loss, and it took 52 points to beat them. (laughs) I mean, they still, despite having flaws, they still are who they are. I I think, to segue, I guess, I think we're overhyping. You said it on Monday or Tuesday, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday. LSU beating Florida is significant because winning on the road in the SEC is hard. But if Gators wasn't on their helmet, if it was any other uniform, the exact team, would we call that a good win? For Tennessee? For LSU. Would we call that a good win? If you went on the road in the SEC... Other than Vanderbilt, yeah, I would say it. I mean, if they had gone to South Carolina and won, if they had gone to Missouri, I would say yes. I might even include Vanderbilt in there, and it's not because Ole Miss has a win at Vanderbilt. If you go on the road and you win in conference play, that was a good day. It was a good day, period. I get what you're saying about LSU, but I do think that LSU's got some talent on that roster. We'll talk more about that in the next segment, the 4 o'clock. Blazing fast by oh. We can see this is back to Sports Talk I'm Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to Seaspire Country, where champions reign. 5G not available in all areas. Get full device before. Visit seaspire.com for details. Of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Let's go one state to our east and check in with our buddy Ryan Brown on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. He is co host of the next round live. Uh, it's the middle of football season, but Ryan spent a big part of his day today uh, talking basketball as SEC's Basketball Media Day or media days, happened in uh, Birmingham. A uh, little hoops action today, Ryan. Still here, man. Just saw your boy Kermit Davis uh, there you go. coming in to do his part. Yeah, yeah It's certainly uh, going to be yeah. a fun basketball year. I don't know that we're quite ready to turn the page. No, I'm not. I'm not, to be honest with you. However, uh, literally the Grand Bohemian Hotel here in uh, Birmingham in Mountain Brook, just outside of Birmingham, is maybe five minutes from our studio. So when the show was over today, you felt kind of guilty not at least coming up here. And uh, we talked to Coach Perlin, Coach Oates. So, you know, it's good to good to catch up with them. Yeah, I understand so. That's a cool hotel, too. It is. It's a really neat hotel for anybody that's coming to Birmingham. Uh, and uh, it's a cool place to stay. My wife and I actually just um, 
uh, it's probably too much information here, Richard. Um, my <laughs> wife and I just went out, went to dinner, and uh, went to dinner and got a room here. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Hey, get a room. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We did. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's talk some football. We've got a, uh, got a game in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. Uh, Mississippi State and Alabama. We, we've been talking about this uh, a fair amount. Hey, Dad has zero confidence in Mississippi State, and he may be absolutely right in that. But at the same time, this this Alabama team looks a little different. I, I said a second ago, I said, you don't have to twist your brain into, into too crazy of a pretzel to see this Alabama team having three losses. Now, they don't, right? They've only got the one last weekend, but there, there are... Maybe some signs for concern. Is is that fair? Well, I mean, yeah. Their their defense has not turned out um, to entirely be what they thought it was going to be, especially in the secondary. Now I think front seven is fine, though they weren't great Saturday against Tennessee. That's a really good Tennessee offense, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the defense is probably not what they thought it was going to be. Um, the receivers are not what they had hoped they would develop into, not as of yet anyway. Uh, the game changer is you have got an incredible running back in Jameer Gibbs, the transfer out of Georgia Tech, and you've got maybe the best player in America in the quarterback, Bryce Young. And that, that can erase a lot of sins and a lot of mistakes. And that's what happened against, um, Texas. It's what happened, uh, to a certain extent against Tennessee. They just didn't win the game. So, um, as long as you've got Bryce Young playing quarterback there, you're, you're, you're going to be able to get yourself out of a lot of tough situations. And, and, Ryan, no apparent lasting effects from the shoulder injury. 455 yards, two touchdowns, no picks last week against Tennessee. Is there any concern about lingering pain related to that? I know he played just off the charts great on Saturday, but there's some adrenaline there, and the stage was massive. Is there any concern about not being able to, on a weekly basis, play at that level? There doesn't appear to be. Uh, he has dealt with this before, which was actually news to everyone. Now, I don't, I don't know that that many people were aware that this was kind of a chronic issue for him until Nick Saban said it after the Arkansas game. And um, so it's something he knows how to deal with. It's, it's an issue he's had that's never really required any you know, extensive treatment like surgery or anything like that. So I think he's just learned to deal with it. And um, from what I am told, the week of the Texas A&M game, so right after the Arkansas game, he wanted to play, and he threw, and then the next day it didn't react very well. Hmm. So that was kind of when the Alabama coaches and trainers decided to shut him down, and they shut him down that week, only allowing him to play in an emergency role. Whereas like if, if um, Jalen Milrow had gone out of that A&M game, not permanently, but maybe you know they thought he was out only for a few plays, I think, I think Young might have come in, probably just handed it off, but he's a guy that you trusted to take a snap, and he's not, you know, going to do some bonehead error from a guy that's never played. So I think that was, you know, kind of his status against Texas A&M. But they didn't let him throw that week, and then they let him throw some the week of the Tennessee game just to see how it reacted, and it reacted well. And that's why they decided to let him play. But if you watch that game, uh, he looked like his old self. I mean, had you not known he got injured against Arkansas, you certainly would not have known about watching that Tennessee game. And it's not like there were any limitations. Fifty-two pass attempts on yeah. the uh, on the afternoon, so it was uh, it was really good stuff. Uh, were you surprised that things kind of stayed quiet on the plains early this week? Well, there's two schools of thought on that now, Richard, and uh, one of them is that Auburn is just biding time till they have a agreement in principle with the new athletics director, 
and then the school president will step in and do the firing, and then the athletics director gets to come in and be the white hat hero. You know, I, I'm here to clean things up. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not here to talk about why I'm with Coach Arson. Hey, it didn't work out. I never worked with him. You know, all those things. But then he gets to come in and be the hero and hire the new coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the school of thought that is, uh, no, we're going to pay this guy $16 million. He's going to earn every dime of it. And that means him coaching through the Iron Bowl, then getting fired. So it depends on which school of thought you buy into. But to your point, you're through the bye week now, and you're about to start you know, another week of game prep, and he's still the football coach. And a lot of people thought if you were going to punt him, it would be during the bye week that you punted him coming out of the Ole Miss game. And if that hasn't happened, I think you get closer and closer to that second school of thought that they're just going to let him finish this thing out and earn every dime of it. Is there any <sighs> – I don't even know the way to ask this. Auburn played really hard, I thought, on Saturday yeah. for, for Brian yeah. Harson. I mean, for, for their school, for their logo, for their scholarship, for their head coach, however you want to classify it, they played hard in that game. And clearly there are some good players on that team. Is the way the team played affecting that decision at all? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think too much water is going under the bridge. I mean, he's 29 games in, he's 9-10. and 10. Or excuse me, nineteen games in. He's nine and yeah. ten. That was excellent math on my part. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so I think too much water is going under that bridge. That just playing hard now or giving an effort is is anything that's going to change it. You know, if he were fighting, like say he had a stud quarterback, a Bryce Young type quarterback or a Hinton Hooker type quarterback, and that guy got knocked out for the year, and you just kind of had to hit reset on offense. All right, so maybe you get some grace on that one. But in the situation he's in, I, I just don't think that has got any impact on it at all. I think the decision has long since been made. And aside from, you know, playing in Atlanta or going to the college football playoff, there wasn't much he was going to do to change that. Is there a sense of who the next athletics director is going to be? I, I, I know one name that kind of bounced around a couple of weeks ago was John Hartwell, who's a guy that you yep. know, had ties at Ole Miss and has done a really good job at, at Troy and, and at Utah State. Is Is he – in contention, in the running, is there another name we ought to be looking at? No, it appears he's the leading candidate. In fact, okay. I think most people you talk to think if they don't hire internally, if they don't promote someone internally, that Hartwell will be the guy. So I would say he is uh, he's the guy to be right now for that job. And, um, and if that's the case, too, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the holdup would be. That would be seem like something you could get done pretty quickly and you know, have him on the job fairly quickly. Yeah, you certainly would think. I don't know if you know John or not, but you're going to love him. If, if, if he well. turns out yeah. to be the AD, you just he's great. Absolutely great. Yeah, yeah. he's got a lot of local connections. and a, Everybody that I know that's worked for him says exactly what you said, that he'll be great. It, but as you know, it's not the easiest job in the world. You don't always get the ultimate decision-making there. And that's yeah. not, you know, Auburn's not alone in that, but it is certainly the case at Auburn is a lot of times – you're having to push a rock uphill because you might be on uh, on the unpopular side of what the boosters feel like is the best thing to do. Sure. I would think that John would be a guy that goes into that eyes wide open, you know, having worked in yeah. the league and, and kind yep. of seen that and lived in the state of Alabama. Hey, I want to get to one more thing before we wrap up with you. And, and sure. this is about Ole Miss, but not specifically about Ole Miss, kind of the opponent. They yep. go to LSU this weekend. Is there anything that you saw from LSU last weekend and their win – against Florida that changed the way you thought about or looked at LSU? Um, yeah, Maybe not changed, but it's abundantly clear. Uh, Jaden Daniels is 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and I don't know which one's good, Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. I guess Dr. Jekyll. But when he's the good one, uh, that, that, that's not a bad football team. I mean, it's really not. And he was the good one against Florida, and that defense played you know pretty well for the most part against Florida. So I wouldn't say change, but I think it's just abundantly obvious that if you get the Jaden Daniels you got at Jordan Hare Stadium, uh, that's a problem. If you get the Jaden Daniels you got at the Swamp, um, then, you, then you got something there. And he even played well in the loss. I mean, he threw 300 yards in the loss against Tennessee. So it's not like he was just horrible against Tennessee either. So uh, this is a fascinating game, and there's a lot of eyes on it in this state because the winner of this game, uh, Alabama plays them, and the West is pretty much on the line in that game for all intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you got a gut feeling on, on how that plays out Saturday in uh, in in Baton Rouge. You got about thirty seconds if, left. If, if I had to pick right now, I probably would take LSU to win it. That's if I had to pick right now. The thing that concerns me about Ole Miss, and you, you can answer this question, um, the best pass offense they have faced is who? Ooh, is it is it Troy? Right. Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah, Tulsa. Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. And that's concerning to me. Like, that defense has looked good, but you, know, you didn't ask me this, but I'm telling you, man, watching Auburn run on them now, look, Ole Miss ran the heck out of the ball on Auburn, but aside yeah. from that, watching Auburn run on them, Auburn does not run on anybody all year. And, Ryan, and that works always for your time, bud. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? what? This is so awesome on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this what is today? Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday. middle of the week, 19th of October. Ceasefire text line. Attaboy Richard, shut him down. Just kidding. I guess that means, look, we were up against the break. There's nothing we can do about the timing on the breaks. It, it drives us all crazy. There's nothing we can do about it. Ryan never misses that, though. No, in 30 seconds, and he's done at 25. You told him. So, yeah. uh, somebody says Kentucky is the best pass offense that Ole Miss has played. Well, statistically, that's just not true. They, they might have the best combination of players, though. I, it's a bit of an oversight. Yeah, no, I agree with that. With their, I mean, Kentucky's got three good wide receivers. Yeah. Kentucky's just the best team Ole Miss has played, period. True. There's no, there's no doubt in that one. What I was saying earlier, by the way, is is really not any different than what what you were talking about earlier this week about how LSU beating Florida hasn't changed anything in your mind about LSU. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that the win didn't count. I'm saying that people are overblowing that win because Gators is on the helmet and not Missouri. That is not a good Florida team. I think they are getting people are doing the oh LSU's back. They figured it out. Here they go. No. Florida is, I use the word on the text line back to Amanda, Florida's kind of stinky. They're stinky offensively. They're, they're stinky at quarterback. They're stinky on defense. And, yeah, they filled it up Saturday, but so far this season, the fans have been stinky. 
This is not your typical Florida team. This Florida team is not any better than, hell, they struggled, should have lost to Missouri at home. They're not any better than Missouri. So that's all, that's what I'm getting at is I think people are doing that. Oh, LSU figured it out. Daniels figured it out. They're good to go. They're going to beat Alabama. They've got, they got a dark horse shot at the West. No, no, hold, take five steps back. They, they beat, essentially, Missouri with more powerful helmets. Yeah. When, if you dig into the numbers, Florida's numbers are not very good this year. I mean, pass defense, 12th in the SEC. So, yeah, Jaden Daniel deserves a ton of credit for the way that he played in the swamp, in a tough environment. Florida deserves credit for beating a good Utah at home to open the season. You remember how much we talked about that game. But when you look at it overall, it's not a great year for the Florida Gators. In terms of scoring offense, 31 points a game. That's 10th in the SEC. Total defense, they're 12th in the SEC. Giving up 430 yards a game. Scoring defense, they're 11th in the SEC. They're giving up 28 points per game. And look, by saying this, it it's not it has nothing to do with taking away from what LSU accomplished. LSU's kind of middle of the pack in all of the, the stats. Oh, which makes you a, a good football. I mean, they're five and two. They can sure beat Ole Miss on Saturday. There's no doubt. They absolutely can line up and beat Ole Miss on Saturday. Scoring offense, LSU 33.7 points a game. So we'll just round. 34 points a game, Ole Miss 41 a game. Total defense, LSU giving up 338 yards a game, Ole Miss 346. Scoring defense, LSU giving up 21 points a game, Ole Miss giving up 17. Total offense, Ole Miss is second in the SEC. LSU's third. I don't think, well, hold on, that's not right. In terms of yards, Ole Miss is third in the SEC, and LSU is sixth. And in fairness to LSU, they, they have played Tennessee. Got smoked at home, but they still had to play Tennessee. They did. I'm sorry, that was like... Total, I don't even know how that's, it must be broken down by game. I I don't know what that number is. Statistically, but but hold on a second. The fact that they've played Tennessee should not affect their offensive numbers. They only scored 13 points against a bad Tennessee defense. Yep. Now, Tennessee can score. We know that. Go hear more about LSU in the uh, in the five o'clock uh, five o'clock hour today when uh, Matt Muscona joins us. It is interesting though. I mean, it, Ole Miss. It, there, there's a couple things working against Ole Miss. Number one, Jackson Dart's most difficult road environment as a young quarterback has been Washington State. The Palouse. It, it, it is a. Totally. And Lane Kiffin, we heard him yesterday, he made two references in his press conference to the challenges that are playing at Tiger Stadium. 
it's different. He has not played in an environment like this at all. Now, luckily, you've got a great running game to lean on to help your young quarterback. You would think that's a plus, but still. 30,000 Washington State fans are not 93,000 crazy Cajuns. Different animal. You know what I can't wait to see? Because different players react differently to road environments. Right? You have some players that, like, they rise to the occasion when they go into a hostile environment, and you have others that wither. And you you can even you can even think about Ole Miss recent quarterbacks. Chad Kelly is a guy that seemed to feed off of that environment. Matt Corral fed off of the, a road environment. Like no, I, I understand that he was also later in his career, but that trip to Knoxville a year ago, and and I guess it's fair to say that Matt Corral matured into that. Right, the the road environment at Arkansas in twenty nineteen was not good for Matt Corral. Twenty twenty. Then twenty when nobody was there. It was Kiffin's first year. Oh yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean that you understand the point I'm making. There's some guys that rise to the occasion in a road environment. They're like, yes, this is awesome, and then there are other guys that wither. Bo Wallace kind of withered in that environment. But so, for all of the good things that Bo Wallace did in his career, he did not handle that stage in Baton Rouge in 2014 well at all. Neither did his coach. Well, that's a different story. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see. And, and you know, whatever happens with Jackson hey, Dart, the smirk, <laughs> the silent smirk from Hey Dad. Whatever. I was at my wife's high school reunion watching that game on my phone. Oof. He tried to win that game 7-3, to three, man. He did. Um, but whatever happens with Dart in this game is not the end-all, be-all. Like, let's pretend he does not handle it well and looks rattled. It doesn't mean he will always be that in road environments, but this will be an incredible test for the young quarterback if he can handle it. So that's thing number one that's working against Ole Miss. The other is Daniels is an athlete like Ashford. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Ashford's a better runner more dynamic runner than Daniels. That doesn't take anything away from Daniels. But Daniels is a better passer. So you've got this dynamic athlete at quarterback who can, albeit inconsistently, throw the football better down the field than what you just played. And your safety play was kind of bad. You missed tackles. You had bad fits. You had bad angles. When Ashford escaped the pocket, he made plays on you. Daniels has got a similar escapability. Oh, he's better. He's more mature, no doubt. Um, I think he's just more athletic. I mean, Robbie Ashford is is very gifted athletically. I think Jaden Daniels, with his legs, is a step above Robbie Ashford. Bigger guy, too, right? But it, Is he? Taller, anyway. Looks like it. Does It doesn't matter. Point is, it, it's a similar situation. Now, there's no Tank Bigsby. That that's a great thing for you. They're playing young guys on the tackles and have really struggled on the offensive line. But getting in track meets on the road is tough to overcome. If that's what this game comes down to, is you're asking your young quarterback and your offense to score on basically every possession because you're giving up scores on basically every possession. I don't think that's a game you want to get into. Yeah. If Daniels beats you with his arm, he beats you with his arm. Put. 
DeAndre Prince on an island. Put Igbenosin on an island. Stack the box. Make him beat you with his arm if he does tip your hat. But if you get run on like you did last week, you're going to lose. I don't think LSU can or wants to run the way Auburn did. I like. I don't think that's really their DNA, and they don't have a take Bigsby. And I don't even know if they've got a, a Jarquez Hunter. But I do know this: Jaden Daniels has thrown one interception this year. And really, outside of last year at Arizona State, where for whatever reason he was awful, and there was probably a lot of awful around him, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year for Jaden Daniels. As a freshman in 2019, 17 touchdowns, 2 picks. 2020, 5 touchdowns, 1 pick. This season, 10 touchdowns, 1 pick. 10 of his career 14 interceptions all came last year. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi. So, in the aftermath of uh, Tennessee and Alabama on Saturday, lots of people in orange came onto the field. I don't know if you saw that or not. You always wonder if, um, my guess is you did. You, you always wonder what uh, altercation is going to happen, right? Because it feels like there's going to be something. You know, whether it's winning fan on winning fan, you stepped on me, you pushed my girlfriend, you knocked my cigar out of my mouth. Let's just fight because we're happy. Yeah, whatever. But you also wonder about the losing team getting off the field. Alabama could see what was coming, right? You're an Alabama football player. You lost that game. You knew they were coming on the field. And Alabama got off the field pretty quickly. There was a heavy security presence trying to get them off the field. But you can't be sure that nothing happens. And Jermaine Burton, the Georgia transfer wide receiver, starting wide receiver for Alabama, caught hitting. I mean, is that what we say? Just just hitting a woman, an altercation with a Tennessee fan on the field as he was leaving the field. Nick Saban has issued a statement about it. And I, I don't really know what you would want Nick Saban to say other than what he said in this statement. Let's see. Borgie, I, I had it pulled up right here. Where did it go? He gave it to me. Oh, God. I got too many different He said, we are aware of the situation with Jermaine Burton as he was exiting the field Saturday. We are currently working to gather more information. Uh, another separate quote during the teleconference today. It's a difficult situation for the league. It's a Difficult situation for all of us that are in this situation. He loves that word, apparently. We certainly don't condone any mistreatment of anybody, whether they should or shouldn't be there. I think you've got to have respect for other people, but at the same time, it's a difficult situation for all of us. Situation. 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 You can't 
if you're a football player, hit a woman going off the field. You just can't do that. Let's, let's be a little clearer on that. You can't hit a woman. Oh, period. But in this situation. Yes, just get off the field. Nothing good comes from interacting with opposing fans on the field like that. They're they're only gonna they're only gonna you know crap talk you. There's nothing to be gained there. Just go to the locker room, get on the bus, go on. What do you do with this if you're Nick Saban? I mean, if they're gonna press charges against this guy if he gets found guilty, you know, you're gonna have to deal with that. No way around it. Are, are, are... It's a bad look. Are you really going to press charges? Is that going to happen? Wasn't he arrested? No, that was that was fake. That's that fake Tennessee news guy. Oh, was it? Okay, I'm glad I didn't retweet. Um, okay, well, if he does, if something does happen, I mean, you just have to deal with it then. the The video is hard to see, but you can tell that he extends his arm and makes contact with a female. Mm. Simply cannot do it. No excuse. I've seen people say, well, she shouldn't have gotten in his face. Doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. An but, SEC official told ESPN earlier today, this is why we have these rules. It was a great scene, but it's also a recipe for disaster when you have emotional players walking off the field and fans running around by them and celebrating. Or... But the other side of that is, if 100,000 people decide they're coming on the field, what are you going to do? Because it's going to be a lot more dangerous if you try to stop them. That's how people are going to really get hurt. Tennessee couldn't stop their fans from throwing bottles of mustard and beer and golf balls on the field. They, they couldn't stop that. that that's it Anyway, the, the rules don't... You think anybody in that stadium thought, oh, well, hold I better on, not run on, on the field? Porky, because... Don't you remember that was only a small number of Tennessee fans oh, that were right. engaging yeah. in that activity? That, that's right. There were I was tens. told that was the Ole Miss fans who were doing it trying to get the Tennessee fans in trouble. Oh, that's, that's what I read. It's, uh, there were tens of thousands of bottles on the field. But, yeah, just a, just a very small fringe uh, for sure. But it, I, I do – can both of these things be true? He needs to be punished because you never do that. And the people calling for him to be arrested are also act, are, are taking it a step too far. Can both of those things be? He should be punished. He should miss a game, probably multiple games. He should face punishment. Mm, I don't know that I agree with that. The, him getting punished or him not going to jail? No. Well, no, clearly I don't think he should go to jail for this. Maybe I'm not being sympathetic enough, but I, I just think when... When thousands and thousands and thousands of people insert themselves into the arena where emotions have been exceptionally high for four hours and yell and scream and pom-pom in face and talk trash, you're asking for a bad situation completely disagree with the way Jermaine Burton acted, reacted. I'm not sure that I'm suspending him, though, if I'm Nick Saban. So, the video, again, the video is hard to see. It's not like she got up in his grill or, or something. She she was running past him, said looked like she said something. And he extended his arm and made contact with her head. 
But he didn't punch her. He just kind of pushed her away, right? And, and it stopped her, and she turned around and put her hand up like, wait, did you just do that? But, no, it, it wasn't wasn't a closed fist knockout. Yes, how dare you extend your arm to push me away when I'm screaming obscenities at you running onto the field in celebration after my team won? Uh, again, you have to make an example, though, don't you? You have to, I, regardless of what she did. And this doesn't make him a bad guy, too. I've seen people talking. It doesn't make him a bad guy. It means that he was emotional after a game and did something you should not have done. Raise your hand if you've ever done something you should not have done while emotional. Yeah. I mean, come on. Sure. Put your hand up, Richard. He's, he's not a bad guy, but he did something that you can't even show the illusion that you accept. You, you, you have got to punish. You have to punish Making contact with a woman. You have to you have to punish that. I mean, yeah, you, you know how I feel about this, uh, right? Of course. I mean, yeah, 100% yeah. of the time, it's wrong to hit a woman, period. And if it makes me sexist to say hit a woman and not hit a man, I mean, just do it, stop, whatever. It, it's wrong, period. But it's also wrong for fans to run into that. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm seeing. Like I, I'm watching the video as we speak. Did he just kind of push her out of the way? Like when she jumped up in his face and then tried to kind of do, uh, jump back? I, I don't know. I, like I'm supposed to have like a big strong. This is what should happen here. I, I mean, like, I'm genuinely asking. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. What's the difference between the Ole Miss streaker, wasn't a streaker, it was just a guy that ran on the field, and the lady at Tennessee? Both are at fault in the restricted area. I haven't seen the video, but if this wasn't on a football field and it was at a bar or a venue, does your opinion change about him being arrested? Here's the difference. The streaker's a 230-pound man. That's the difference. And I know society's trying to like muddy the gap between... that. That's the difference. That is the difference. That's a 230-pound man that disrupted the game. He got laid out by a cop. Good. Not a 110-pound woman by a football player. Even if it wasn't hard. Another guy on the text line, oh, you don't know what she might do. A hundred-pound girl running by you possibly saying a bad word. You don't want to she Oh, you don't know what she Stop. She didn't get in his face. She didn't threaten him. She didn't hit him. He's not a bad guy. It's not egregious. But it's still a guy making contact first with a woman. Physical contact with a woman first. Terrible decision by Jermaine Burton. And you just got to keep you just got to keep walking and go to the yeah. locker room. And, and he's not a bad guy. He, I, I'm sure he's a wonderful kid. Did something he shouldn't have done. The people talking about pressing charges are are also quite stupid, in my opinion. That's ridiculous. I mean, you're you're you are some of you are trying to paint me into a, a corner because I'm saying I don't know. So if a state fan was hit by an Ole Miss player, you'd be fine with it, got it? Yeah, because 
you know, you're really not a good person. Jeez. Hey. The bad scene all the way around. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. More coming out after this. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Baseball playoffs rolling on. First round, what, of the division series in the um, American League got started yesterday with the Phillies winning over the Padres 2-zip. Sorry, that was NLCS championship series, not division series. They finished the division series with the Yankees beating the Guardians 5-1 to yesterday. And so you get Game 2 of the NLCS happening right now. Philadelphia up 4-2 on San Diego. And Game 1 of the ALCS begins tonight with uh, a series that a lot of people predicted way back at the beginning of the year. And that's with the Yankees and the Astros. Yankees going, what, on like 24 hours rest? Um, end of game to first pitch after a couple of postponements in their series. You guys engaged at all in these Major League Baseball playoffs? Not yet. I am not. I will be, though. I will. I mean... I was I was glad to see the Dodgers lose. Other than that, no. A lot of these games are happening during the workday, which is an issue in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Like, the Dodgers got eliminated, and I was just reading some. I was like, wait a minute, they're out? And I checked out, and I saw they were out. I fist-pumped, and that was it. And then carried on with your day. Carried on with my life, yes. I did yeah. see that the Yankees, uh, during a weather delay, where they kept fans in the stadium and kept concessions open for hours just to cancel the game, was that uh, people were pretty hot about that. Yeah. That was, what, the uh, Monday game, and then they postponed it to yesterday. Yep. People like were... A- Four o'clock start time yesterday afternoon. Yeah, a few thousand people were told that the game's going to get played, so they're in the stadium waiting for the game to start, and they're buying beers and they're buying hot dogs, and for hours they're sitting there waiting for the game to start, and then they just tell them to go home. It's tough. That's a, uh, a tough gig. So that one, uh, that one gets going tonight. Yankees and Astros game one of the ALCS. Philadelphia trying to take a two nothing lead over the Padres. In Game Two of the NLCS, how close are we to uh, to action? We gotta wait just a little while longer. That next weekend when that begins, our early games. We got a game tonight. This is a little fun belt. Georgia State and Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina tonight on ESPN Two with a six thirty kickoff. Your two Thursday night games are Virginia at Georgia Tech. How about a resurgent Georgia Tech? 
A win for Ole Miss is looking better and better. Now, do you hire the interim? I mean, maybe? No. It's always a dangerous game. Probably not. Yeah. They're 3-3 three and three right now, and they host a 2-4 and four Virginia team tomorrow night. Here's what's left They're for Georgia to a bowl game. Well, that's that's kind of what I was getting to. So they get Virginia at home tomorrow night. They go to Florida State. They host. Uh, they got to go. Oh goodness! Four of their final five are on the road. At Florida State, at Virginia Tech, host Miami, at North Carolina, at Georgia. Starting tomorrow night with Virginia, can they get three of those? I mean, they could. I can tell you which one they're not going to get. Which one is that? Georgia. No. They've played a a road game in their rivalry every year for like two decades. That's got to feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Could you imagine playing the Egg Bowl where it was maroon filling the stadium every game or vice versa? That's Georgia, Georgia Tech. Every year, stadium's filled with red, no matter what. Yeah. No, you're either going to Athens where they're 90,000 in red, or you're playing at home where they're 30,000 in red. Yeah. It's crazy. Hey, how about this one tomorrow night on ESPNU? 5-2 and two Troy at 5-1 and one South Alabama. A couple of young rising stars in the yeah. coaching world, John Sumrall and uh, Kane Womack. South Alabama's a favorite at home. A small favorite. And then the Friday night games are Tulsa Temple. That doesn't do much for me. And uh, UAB Western Kentucky. So that's what uh, you've got coming up before we get to the uh, the weekend slate of games. We will begin the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix. We'll also uh, hear from uh, Matt Moscona from ESPN Baton Rouge. He's actually on the radio right now. Recorded that conversation uh, coming up. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Recorded that conversation a little earlier that's coming up later in the 5 o'clock hour. Reminder that Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. M-Trade Park has a big slate of tournaments coming up this spring. But you've also got a few events left this fall going through, I think, the first week of November. Not too late to sign up your team to be a part of one of those events, whether it's U-Triple-S-A baseball, fast pitch, or soccer. mtradepark.com for a school, full schedule of events. If you're going to play... Play M-Trade. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. The Twilight Concert Series is back, and on Saturday, Blues Traveler and Government Mule will be at the Renaissance at Colony Park in Ridgeland. You can get tickets now online at Ticketmaster.com or at TwilightMS.com. That's TwilightMS.com. Also, the Gallo Show will be broadcasting live at Communiversity at East Mississippi Community College in Columbus tomorrow. I'll be talking about the upcoming Career Expo and the opportunities that our great community colleges offer all of Mississippi. 
This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Golden Moon Casino. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live right where you do in Ceasefire Country. Visit slash business. Time right now for the college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. 45 straight years. F-150 is the number one selling truck in America. All right, Borky, set this uh, set this conversation up for us. I, I will be interested not only to hear your response and Hey Dad's response, uh, but the response is from folks that are listening on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Yeah, something a friend and I were talking about the, the other night. So Ole Miss has two road games before their bye. Um, as we've talked about, they are ahead in the SEC West. They control their own destiny, all that. If the football gods came down and offered to Lane Kiffin and you Ole Miss fans out there, I will guarantee you one win in the next two weeks, but only one. Would deep down Lane Kiffin take it, and would you, the Ole Miss fan, take it? Yeah, it's it's funny that you and your buddy were talking about this because on the 11th of October, I've got a, a group of buddies in a, a group text, and one of them sent a screenshot of the final six games of the schedule for Ole Miss. Auburn at LSU at A&M, Alabama at Arkansas, Mississippi State. And the question was, would you take four and two on this stretch or let it play out? One friend responded, I'd take three and three and not play another game. One responded, talk to me in two weeks. One said four and two would be solid. I sure didn't come into the year thinking ten and two. So... There are a lot of people that are kind of thinking along those lines. You're not talking about the final five of the regular season or six if you go back a week. You're just talking about these next two weeks, road trips to Baton Rouge and to College Station. If you are an Ole Miss fan, would you take one and one over the next two weeks without playing the games? Would you risk playing the games, losing them both, winning them both, or finishing with that same record at one and one. What do you guys think? Ole Miss, I'll be the one that says it. Ole Miss is in the national title hunt right now. You're undefeated seven games into the season. You're in complete control of your own destiny. The toughest game you have remaining on the schedule is at home. No, you got to take your chances on being two and zero. Oh. You want to keep that going. You can't take that deal. I I tend to agree with you. We're going to hear from Matt Moscona in a little bit. He thinks LSU's winning on Saturday. Matt's an LSU fan, but he also will, you know, he, he will talk negatively about LSU when he thinks it is deserved as well. I think Ole Miss is a better football team than LSU. I think Ole Miss is a better football team than Texas A&M. 
Will they win both of those games? I don't know. But I wouldn't give a loss at this point. If you win, if you win one and you lose one, you're eight and one going into Alabama. There's a big difference in being eight and one and being nine and zero after nine weeks. Spare me, by the way. The yeah, one one game. You, you understand what I'm saying? If Ole Miss is nine and zero going into that game against Alabama, that scene will be stupid. It'll be great if they're eight and one, but if they're nine and zero, they'll be top five in the country, won't they? I think. Yeah, you would think. What would you do, Borky? Did you take one and one without playing them? Are you rolling the dice? Knowing that 0 and 2 is also a possibility. I don't think they're losing. I think they, they can lose this weekend. I don't think they're losing to Texas A&M. Okay. So, so I would roll the dice. Although, it, the person I was talking to about this with made the point that it's almost like a hedge because then you have to turn around and beat Alabama, but at least you would still control your own destiny as opposed to losing the next two and you would you would need help and you wouldn't get it. So if you're if you're hedging and you get your chance to beat Alabama and then you're back in the driver's seat, go ahead and guarantee yourself a win here. But but losing to Alabama even if you go into that game 9-0, and might eliminate you from playoff contention. It might. It would take Alabama losing again. If Ole Miss went 11-1 with a loss to Alabama, Alabama would have to lose again. But on top of that, I mean, you, you could have a one-loss Ohio State-Michigan. You know, would you get in over a one-loss Michigan that went to Columbus and lost by one? You know Let what me I mean? assure you that you probably aren't. So, interesting question. If you gave it to Lane Kiffin well, well, right now. Hold on, but, but, but in that scenario, you would still have the SEC championship game, and if you won that, you absolutely would get in. True. But if you're one loss and you don't get into the SEC championship and you're behind Alabama, you would need Ohio State and Michigan oh, to yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, would, no, yeah, I don't think that's yeah. happening. So, in that scenario, no, no team that's seven or zero and ranked in the top ten right this second is going to say, "Yeah, we'll take a split." Everybody wants to win. Yeah, this not everybody. You know, Mississippi State, you know, Mississippi State. Tell me, they're going to split the next two? Sure. <laughs> Between Alabama and Auburn, absolutely. You'll, you'll take it without playing them. Uh, take it without playing. So but the question on the table is, would you take one games. and one in the next two, or do you play the game? Scott and Tupelo says, yes, he would take them. Cody says, risk it for the biscuit, baby. Andy says, both are too winnable to not play them. Here's one. No, LSU and A&M are rarely this week simultaneously. One response. So basically, do you go to the casino or no? Don't think I would take it. Very confident in the second one. Worth the risk of taking the chance and getting both. Better football team than both opponents. I agree. Carl from, I think, New Albany says, I'd take 0-2 for Ole Miss, but I'm a state fan. Play the games. 
I didn't come into the year thinking ten wins. Eight and four was my hope. I'll take nine and three gladly, but one game at a time here. That's from Jonathan. Nine, so if I'd have told you on August first you're going to go nine and three, everybody would have been like, "Heck yeah, awesome!" That means Jackson Dart was good, like all in. But going nine and three means you finish two and three. Mm-hmm. So would you accept that? And I think everybody would say no. I think. Finishing two and three, you're a one-point dog to LSU. Depending on what A&M looks like, you're probably favored in that game. You're going to be favored in the Egg Bowl. At worst, Arkansas will be a similar line to LSU. At worst. More responses. LSU and A&M have way more talent on their roster compared to Old Miss, but Old Miss has a better head coach and offensive play caller. Old Miss goes 2-0. Another, reward is too high at this point to settle. Roll the dice. Another, there's a chance 9-0 Ole Miss locks up the West against Alabama. By the way, Richard, you missed yesterday. I, I brought this scenario because yesterday we did, if you're a Mississippi State fan, is there anything short of a win that would satisfy you? Talking about this week? Yeah, so before we get to Moscona, what would your answer be? Is there anything short of a win in year three against Alabama that is satisfactory or would be satisfactory? Oh, yeah, going in there and playing well and being competitive. I mean, are you still bummed out if you lose the game? Yeah, and if you're really competitive and you don't pull it off at the end, that would be bummed out. But I think Mississippi State playing well against an Alabama team that, you know, is really good, newsflash, would be a step in the right direction for the program overall. Uh, Hunter in Columbus says, I would let it play out. Preston and Fulton says, I'd take 0-2 if we could win out after that. Jerry and Brookhaven says, it's more fun to play the games. Um, a lot of good responses. A lot of good responses. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll visit with Matt Moscone up on the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you blue. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. All guests join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Matt Moscona. Live and in the flesh from Baton Rouge joins us this afternoon. Uh, we both have our uh, our old school earbuds in. Hopefully that helps with our audio quality. Good to see you, my friend. It's always wonderful to see you as well. Uh, I, I feel like you and I have talked this week, mostly because I dug up an old clip from you from, uh, from SEC Media Days that I've referenced on my show probably two dozen times. Well, I'm glad uh, I actually went back and watched what you posted. I was like, hey, that kind of made me sound smart. Uh, what yeah. I'm wondering is you if you have made yourself sound smart this week. Uh, you uh, Is guarantee the, the right word? You, you feel extremely <laughs> confident that LSU is beating <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, I think on Twitter you said I said it last week. I'm saying it today. Yeah. I'm going to say it again Friday when I make my picks. There's no ambiguity here for you with this game. What What gives? I just think LSU's going to win the game. Why? I mean, uh, we can go through it, but 
I'm I'm a little surprised at how much feel like it's Joe Namath no, Super Bowl three. That's not a guarantee. I mean, of course Ole Miss can win the game. I'm not waffling. I'm picking LSU to win the game. But I, what I didn't want is people to assume recency bias because of LSU's win over Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know a lot about this LSU team. I think we all do. We know where their flaws are. We know where their strengths are. And more importantly, I know how LSU is going to respond in a tough situation. Uh, listen, LSU is not a perfect team, and they have serious drawbacks. But I also know I know what their Achilles heel is that teams can expose. I'm not sure Ole Miss can expose. And that's the fact that if you have really good players on the outside, LSU cannot, cannot guard you. Uh, LSU's corners are not good enough. I mean, Richard, we've seen over the years – LSU has earned the DBU designation, right? Sure. When LSU could put Stingley or Ricks or Tredavious White or one of those guys, Patrick Peterson, I like my guy against yours. I don't care who your guy is. I like my guy. This team can't do that. And they got exposed by a really good Tennessee team. Um, I don't know that I believe Ole Miss's receivers are so good that LSU has to respect them with numbers, which would leave them vulnerable in the defensive front. So I think, and I've seen team, I've seen Ole Miss go into these long lulls offensively. Um, you know, Vanderbilt led twenty to ten. Uh, Kentucky held Ole Miss to three points in the second half. I, I've seen those lulls, and I know LSU how LSU responds when those things happen. So I think at home, I think LSU's going to win the game. I do. So. You, you point out the, the the DB wide receiver matchup. To me, I look at LSU and, and I see other areas that, that strike me as concerning. I, I feel like maybe offensive line has gotten better than it was earlier in the year. Defensive line may be a little bit healthier than it was earlier in the year. But I don't see a lot of depth in either of those areas. Am I wrong there? No, the, that, the big concern... When So Mason Smith on the defensive line, I'll go to offensive line in a second, but on the defensive line, we would have had a legit conversation if you and I were talking back in July yeah. or even in August, that wide receiver on offense, defensive line on defense, the unquestioned strengths. LSU's defensive front is very good. D.J. Ojolari is a potential first-round pick. He, he may end up playing his way into round one. Um, Ali Gay is a veteran player who's very good at the other end. They've developed some depth at end. Mason Smith is the guy, though, that we were talking about, former five-star defensive tackle. He's a freak, and he tore his ACL in the first defensive series of the season. So they replaced him with Makai Wingo, who's a very different type of player, but he was a freshman All-SEC last year in Missouri. He is a small, low-to-the-ground, blow-up-the-launch-pad type guy, but different. Jaquelin Roy is very good. I'm not just trying to write off names, but after that, you know, at tackle on the interior, you probably got three guys that you can rotate on the interior. Um, and after that, it's a big, giant question mark. So if Ole Miss gets into a spot where they run the ball 70 times, brother, that's a problem. So LSU is going to need to get off the field because you're right. Defensive depth on the defensive line is a problem. So, so I look at what Ole Miss does offensively. Um, and, and you and I, you know, we talked about what the perfect scenario was for this Ole Miss team. And, and it was kind of the schedule, the way it was built. Because there are a lot of people like, well, Ole Miss hadn't played anybody. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, so it's it entirely fair because I think Kentucky's better, but because they made some mistakes at the end and then they lost to South Carolina, people are like, ah, I mean, Kentucky's the seventh-ranked team in the country. Yeah, Whether they deserve to be that or not, I, I don't know. This team needed to grow, though, through the first half of the season, and, and I think they've done that. But the bottom line is they run the heck out of the football, and it doesn't seem to matter 
Vanderbilt really loaded up on the run. They're like, we're not going to let you beat us this way, as much as Vanderbilt can say that. And then Ole Miss was like, oh, okay, we'll throw it. So I've said this to a couple of people, and I'm curious how you might, you might respond to it. Lane Kiffin, um, uh, he, he is a lot of things. Stubborn, he is not. Like, if something's working, you've got coaches out there that are like, okay, that was working. Now let me show you how smart I am because we're going to do this. That's not what Lane Kiffin does. They're running the ball for six yards a carry. He doesn't care if they throw it 19 times in a game. Is Ole Miss going to find that in any facet of their offense? Well, they're able to run it, so they're just going to keep pounding it. Or they're going to be able to throw it, so they just keep throwing it based on what you've seen. Yeah, so I – look, I'm not telling you that, that LSU's pitching a shutout. I'm not telling you Ole Miss is coming here and they're not moving the ball. I think they will. Um I think for LSU, a key is can you get enough stops and keep giving the ball back to your offense to where eventually they break through, and when they do, they're a lot to deal with because they have really good guys on the outside. So I do think LSU in this game is talented enough in the defensive front, especially at linebacker, where they're athletic and they can run sideline to sideline, and they do have numbers, to where they will tackle. I mean, a C-ball, hit-ball type uh, opportunity suits this defense, even if it's running in pursuit, which I think they will. Um, if it's, it's kind of how LSU's linebackers are built. If you want to play this game, you know, in, in the box, even, even stretching, um, it's how LSU's kind of built to defend. So this is a, this is a matchup that I'm like, okay, now it was similar last week against Florida, to be honest. Um, you know, Richardson has really struggled to throw the ball. He hit the big one deep on the second play of the game to shorter, um, and that, that that was really it. But all Florida really got was, I mean, look, they got a couple of busted plays, but one of them was Richardson going 81 yards. Sure. When he just, and LSU just, just, just decided tackling was optional on that run. Bro, how, how bizarre was that play? And it wasn't like, and Richard, it wasn't like that was just some guys. Like, that was Micah Baskerville. That was Greg Brooks. That was Jay Ward. That's like some of your best players yeah. That were like, oh, well, I'm going to strip the ball instead of just getting this dude on the ground. Anyway, listen, I have so much respect for Lane Kiffin. Like, I think I told you I wanted LSU to hire Lane Kiffin last year. Um, he's a brilliant offensive guy, and I think there's a lot of skill in that offense, and they're going to cause problems. Like, Judkins is going to be a problem. Um, Zach Evans is obvious. I mean, everybody knows him from recruiting. Ole Miss is going to make plays. I don't doubt that at all. They're going to move the ball, but I think I've seen this with LSU enough. They're going to get enough stops. They're going to force some turnovers. And the offense is going to be able to take advantage because there's enough playmakers. I mean, I just think it's a game where I know how LSU is going to respond in a tight situation. I don't yet know how LSU is going to respond. Like, Richard, I think this is a game in the 30s. So I'm not telling you I think you're going to see a repeat of the Kentucky game. I think you're going to see a game in the 30s where it's going to come down to who can get a few more stops. So there are a couple of things that – and we'll take a timeout in, in a minute um, – Obviously, special teams has been a huge Achilles heel for LSU. Muff punts. We saw it in the opener against Florida State. We saw it against Tennessee. I mean, you you would like to think that there comes a point where it's like, all right, we've hit the quota on bad special teams plays. Is that a thing, or is it still a problem? Oh, it's a problem, uh, and it'll be a problem on Saturday. It's it's head scratching because look, it's one thing if. Like you're missing kicks and you just need to recruit a kicker. Yeah. Right? Like that, that can be solved in recruiting. LSU's problems have been in every phase. It doesn't matter if it's kicking, 
punting, punt coverage, kick coverage, alignment. Every game, something new pops up. Against Auburn, they had four special teams penalties in the first half. Like every time there was a special teams play, they committed a penalty. In the fourth quarter against Florida, they had an illegal formation on a punt. The opening kickoff of the game, they allowed a 47-yard kickoff return. They don't have the guy that can just blast the ball through the end zone so it's a touchback every time. And coverage units and staying in lanes have been a problem. Like there are yards and plays to be had. They tried angle kicking last week, and maybe that worked. We'll see. But they're chasing their tail a little bit on special teams. Um, and if you have a heady special teams coach that can give LSU a look they haven't seen, I don't think they're prepared for it. I think Brian Polian is is proving to be the worst hire among Brian Kelly's staff. And boy, it's I'm I'm not a fire the coach guy. I've never been. Don't ever. I'm not. I don't. I'm not the guy who calls for people's jobs or anything. Um, it's just really hard for me to imagine him being back next year. That's how badly it's gone. I wonder if Ole Miss would roll out an onside kick in consecutive weeks. <laughs> Dude, I had. I mean, that I was had, a big play in the game against Auburn. It was, it was massive because uh, they stole a possession. And I had Auburn uh, plus 15 and a half. So that I was not happy. Living right. I still covered. I still covered. But I was not happy about the onside kick when it happened. Visiting with Matt Moscona from uh, ESPN Baton Rouge, Hope Radio Show there, uh, AFR in the afternoons. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. Continue with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Back with Matt Moscona, we're talking Ole Miss, LSU, the Rebels, and the Tigers. 2.30 Saturday afternoon in Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, Death Valley, however you want to describe it. It is my favorite place in the world to watch a football game, and I'm don't mind saying that. Never have. Just a, a great spot. Um, is it the home field advantage that it once was? Um, sometimes. I think LSU's got the same problem that a lot of places have. Uh, I think you could ask that question to Tennessee, but then you look at Saturday and you go, that was a big advantage. Yeah. It was. So I think, in, I think in spots, LSU is still that. When, when you get the right opponent coming through um, – a winning football team, a good opponent, the perfect storm, all that stuff. It's everything Death Valley is and always has been. The problem is LSU got caught up in the arms race that so many other schools did of stadium expansion, and they grew it to 102,000. It's, I say, I've always said it's equivalent to like buying a fleet of horses the day the Model T was invented. Like you went and bought a hundred CDs the day that Napster came out. Sorry. Like you just kind of, you kind of missed it. Um, so the, LSU has the same problems everybody has. Stadium's too big, so it's expensive. Park traffic's awful. Home experience is too good. So when when LSU look, man, Mississippi State came rolling through here. You probably had twenty thousand empty seats. Southern comes rolling through here. New Mexico, you're gonna. That's just the nature of it. Yeah. Saturday is gonna be really good. You get a top ten Ole Miss team coming in. There's a lot. It's gonna be a beautiful day. Um, people are excited after the Florida win. Saturday's going to be fun. Saturday's going to be a really good environment. So, so, Matt, 
I've been to a bunch of Ole Miss LSU games in Baton Rouge. And, and I said it a second ago. I mean, there, there's nothing, I, I think, that compares to it in college football, especially being on the field. I mean, I've had the cool vantage point of being on the field a bunch of times there. The experience in 2014 was different than all of the times I had been there previously, right? Because Ole Miss came in top five in the country with a three next to their name, low-scoring game, and I had never seen Tiger Stadium like that. I had seen it like if I was watching an LSU game against Alabama, an LSU game against Florida or Auburn or whatever through the years. Do LSU fans see that number next to Ole Miss's game and go, okay, this isn't just another, hey, Ole Miss is coming to town and it was a great rivalry in the 60s. This is no, absolutely, absolutely. It's our time to help. Absolutely. I mean, I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons, honestly, why a lot of fans have some anxiety about the game to begin with. Whereas, and I'll tell you, man, you, the, the conversation I referenced in the last segment that you and I had, I don't know if you really remember doing the interview at Media Days, but like you and I were sitting there and you started talking. I asked you about the schedule and you kind of started talking me through it and I pulled it up. And then you laughed at me because it was the first time I had actually looked at the schedule. You're like, it's six weeks to the season, and this is the first time you're looking at all this schedule. Well, it was. And it just, like, it started firing. And I was like, Ole Miss is going to be 7-0 and when they come to Baton Rouge. I mean, they beat Kentucky. They're 7-0 and when they come to Baton Rouge. Right, and that was the only question. And it was. And and they did. And they are. So I'm not surprised. And, and Ole Miss's ranking is warranted. I mean, they've won all their – there's only nine teams in college football. That have won all their games. But you very definitively said this is not the seventh best team in the country. And I believe that. And I think when you look at the remaining five games. Could Saturday change your mind? Uh, no. Because LSU is not a great team either. Beating LSU wouldn't, wouldn't change my mind. If you beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa or in, uh, in Oxford, I'd change my mind. Um, I'm derailing your conversation. No, no, go ahead. I love when we just talk back and forth. So I was doing an interview last week with, uh, with Cole Kublik and um, uh, Greg McElroy on, on their show. And Greg asked me, he's like, you know, wh- when are we really going to know about this team? And I said, well, it's funny you ask that question. So let's say they beat Auburn, which they did. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you know anything more. Let's say they beat LSU. You go, well, that's a down LSU team. What if they win in College Station? Well, they can't score. What if they then lose by two or three touchdowns at home to Alabama? Does that mean they're a bad team? Well, no. No. Okay. So, so, so what if they go to Arkansas? Well, Arkansas up and it's like, you don't know. So, so at some so, point you're like, I mean, they are what their record says they are. So here's, here's what I would respond to. When you're talking about a team ranked seventh and at this point in the season where we're now late October and you're undefeated and you are a, like if college football playoff rankings came out today, Ole Miss fans are watching with intent. No doubt. Because you're in the conversation. So when does that change? Well, it changes when you lose. And and that's why, Matt, like, if you're having a different conversation about, okay, well, is this a college football playoff team today? Today you have to respect that conversation. Unless you can't have that conversation. They've lost two games. It's, that's over. That's not even in the realm. It, the question, is this Ole Miss team, do I believe today that when those – Final rankings come out before, you know, after the, the championship weekend. Do I think Ole Miss is going to be in the top ten? I do not. What I think Ole Miss can be is a team that over this stretch of five games finishes nine and three, 
wins a bowl game and goes ten and three again. And the and the conversation you and I were having in July was, you know, and I think I asked you the question was, okay, now that Matt Corral's gone, you know, who what do you say might be the, might be the greatest quarterback at Ole Miss, not named Manning? I think is how you said it. Uh, and I, I might agree with you. Like it's it's a conversation. Can Lane continue, regardless of turnover players, to to put Ole Miss in that conversation year after year after year? This is one of those years where they prove it, right? So back to the point about what this Ole Miss team is. We'll find out in time as it goes. But and as this of right theoretically, now, should have been a down year. Sure. But, but the, schedule, the schedule has helped it not necessarily be that. Schedule has helped. Transfer portal obviously helps you bring in Jackson Dart. He's your starting quarterback. He's played really yeah. well. But let's also wait and have this conversation over these next five games. I asked an odds maker yesterday, um, Ole Miss's remaining five, the only one they'll be favored today, right? Point spread values change based on results of games. But today, the only one Ole Miss would be favored is the Egg Bowl by three. They'd be an underdog in all the rest of their games. It's not to say you're going to lose all those games. But... I mean, which is crazy because if you had asked that question a week ago, he would have said probably favored against LSU based on what they had done so far. Maybe favored against A and M. We'll see what they do against South Carolina because they haven't yeah. shown you anything. Yeah, Arkansas without KJ Jefferson, you're probably favored against them. Egg Bowl would have been tighter yeah. than it would have been a week ago. Yeah. Without KJ Arkansas, without KJ Arkansas is a completely different team. I mean, I think we would agree with that. He's just there. He's just. He makes everything they do offensively go, and their defense stinks. Yeah. Um, so, I, by the way, I don't think Ole, Ole Miss is losing all five games. I don't think they're going one and four in the five games. I think minimum they get two. I think best case you probably get three of them and go ten and two, which would be, I think, an incredible year. You're you're in the New Year six. It, you know, again, if you're if you're ten, you're probably back to back Sugar Bowls. Yeah. Um. But uh, but but I. I don't think at the end of the year we're going to be talking about Ole Miss as an undefeated or top ten team in the country. That's my opinion. Hey, look, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. If I'm wrong, laugh at me. Yeah. I just i I've seen I've seen lulls offensively. I have seen, um, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a product. And I'll grant you this, Richard. Maybe that's a product of all right. You're you're playing Tulsa and you got the game in hand, and so you just kind of go to sleep for a half. Happens. Happens. Uh, you're up 21 at Auburn, so you let the guard down. Um, happens. But I'll tell you in this. fairness, they have not been a game where they had to go play a four-quarter game. That that hasn't happened this season. And the now, reason outside I like, of Kentucky, and yeah. they had to make plays at the end, and they made plays at the end. And a big reason I like LSU this weekend is because I feel like I know what they're going to do in a four-quarter game because they've been in one every single game. This this is a very comfortable spot for LSU. Jaden Daniels. Um Showed me something last week. I mean, obviously six touchdowns, yeah. but he kind of let it rip uh, in terms of throwing the ball. Why should I believe that he's going to do that two weeks in a row and he's not going to be a roller coaster kind of like his entire career has been? So he was the guy that let it rip at Arizona State. Um, and last year, look, I think we've all now seen Arizona State a little bit of a mess, right? I mean, Herm got fired. That Yeah, a lot of a mess. Um, his best receivers transferred out. And he probably felt like he had to do too much. Ten touchdowns, ten, ten interceptions. Came into this season, I think, realized he just wasn't going to turn the ball over. So he didn't. Uh, he did not throw an interception until the final play against Tennessee when he keep going into the end zone. Um, and that's a process, man. But the big part of that, I think, is new offensive coordinator, new terminology, new receivers, trusting guys. That, I mean, look, if you want to comp, I mean, 
uh, Ole Miss, Lane used it those first three games to figure that out with his quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Who do I yeah. want? It, it's, it was a feeling out. But but as a criticism, it's very valid. I mean, Jaden was way too hesitant. I mean, I started telling you, the, the undeniable strength of this team is LSU's receivers. And they didn't utilize it. The fact that Kayshawn Booty through five games had 97 yards receiving and no touchdowns is absurd. Yeah. Like, it, it's just absurd. Is he um, now fully engaged? Because it certainly didn't look that way early. He was never disengaged. It, it's I, I know that's going to sound funny, but I think fan narratives sometimes get built, and then fans will use any ancillary info or things that they see. I'll give you an example. You know, they were playing against Auburn, and the cameras cut to a shot where Jaden Daniels is Kayshawn sitting on the bench, and Jaden standing behind him, kind of talking in his ear, and fans go, oh, "He's melting." It, Maybe those dudes are talking about what they're having for dinner. Like you don't really know, but if you've convinced yourself of a narrative, you'll take anything and and spin it to support that narrative. I'll tell you, Richard. I mean, just talking to coaches and players and family of players and people inside of that building. And hey, I'm gonna interrupt. Are, Hold that thought. We're gonna finish this when we come back. Matt Muscona, Sports Talk Mississippi, in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This is Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, I'm sorry. I hate doing that. I no hate worries. cutting you off mid-sentence just a second ago. Hard time breaks. Absolutely nothing we can do about it. Uh, so here we are. Uh, just a couple of minutes left. Richard Cross, Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge. You can catch out, uh, check out his radio show podcast, Instagram, Twitter, it's all there, and it's uh, it's worth the follow. If nothing else, it'll make you laugh. You'll laugh at him, you'll laugh with him, but you'll laugh. Um, you were talking before the break uh, about Kayshawn Booty, his level of engagement, what fans see, what they think they know based on something that they see. Tell me more. Yeah, I've warned you, long-winded radio guy, sorry. Um, right. happens. I, the point with Kayshawn is uh, he has been engaged all year. Does he want the ball more? Absolutely. I think there's probably some frustration there, you know, wanting to do more, help more. But Brian Kelly named him a captain last week because of how he practiced. Every time you talk to anybody within the program, they all say the same thing. He's engaged. He comes to practice every day. He works hard. He's glad they're winning. Like, yeah, I mean, every receiver wants the ball more, and I want receivers that want the ball more. But I really genuinely – like, I, Richard, you know me well enough, man. I would tell you if I thought it was different. I really don't think it's different. I think you have a guy that – Everyone is surprised that the numbers aren't there when he's been so dynamic. I mean, nobody knows that better than Ole Miss. The 2020 game was his breakout game. I mean, when he set a single game receiving record. Yeah, I don't remember um, anything about that. I don't know bro, that was – I don't – look, man, as, was it, two, as good as 278? That no, he, he went over 300 that day. Huh. Yeah, Josh Reed had the record at 292. Well, I, I, I over made reference – a number of times to Kayshawn Booty is still open on that 15-yard dig route, and there's a run after the catch. I mean, he he was, but it wasn't just him. It was the yeah. fact that Ole Miss had zero ability to get pressure on the quarterback, and so yeah. able to stand back there all day long. Look, Kayshawn, Kayshawn's a great player. He's still going to be a first-round pick. They needed to get him involved. They did, but it was just him. What you saw, and I think you referenced this, was they started throwing 50-50 balls, um, and they've got, like, LSU's wide receivers are a problem. I know Ole Miss has two corners they really like. LSU's got 
seven receivers they really like. You can't guard them all. And if Jaden is willing to be patient in the pocket and and find the open guy, they're a problem, man. And they were for Florida. See, that might be the biggest key to me in this game. Because, you know, is Ole Miss going to go three down linemen, which is kind of their base? Are they going to go to four? And Cedric Johnson, who didn't play last week, is he going to play? Because he does two things. One, he's got the ability to go get the passer, and I don't care who the passer is. And number two, he's got the ability to set the edge, which kind of funnels that run game back to the inside a little bit. They didn't have that last week. And I think that's a big part of the reason that Auburn went for 300 over there. I agree. I, I, LSU is not going to run for 300 yards. It's, I don't know that they're capable. I don't think, also don't think it's what they, what they do or what they want to do. Um, LSU does get Armani Goodwin back this week. He was their leading rusher when he got hurt against Auburn, hurt his hamstring. I'm sorry, against New Mexico. Hurt his hamstring. He's been out for about a month. He'll be back. Um, but if you're looking for an X factor, it's, it's Jaden Daniels' feet, man. He, he has the ability. And if I were an opposing fan, I would tell you it's, it's a, We've all watched our teams in games like this. It's a frustrating ability where you feel like you've got a guy bottled up, like you've called the right defense, you've made the right play, but the really athletic guy just makes a better play and moves the sticks. And Jaden has done that all year long. And if, if that's the last resort, that's how they'll move the sticks. And, um, they're going to move the ball. They're going to move the ball. They're going to score. And, um, I think it's going to be a really good game, and I really do. I think we're going to have a fun game. Um, do we need to, like, stake bet on this or anything? Well, we can just go eat a stake, but we could certainly stake bet if you want. I, I mean, I would love to do that. My best stake bet right now, bro, is our, I don't know if you know Josh Bertaccini. He does radio up in Arkansas. And at the end of last season, he was convinced K.J. Jefferson was going to be a Heisman candidate. And I just laughed him off completely. Yeah, look at your face, exactly, because you're, you're a sane human. And he bet me a KJ Jefferson Heisman bet. It was if KJ is is in is in New York, then I have to fly us up there, get hotels, all that stuff. And if he's not, then Josh has to buy me like a really expensive steak dinner. I'm like, okay. Has there ever been an easier bet in the history of mankind? I'll take it. Right? <laughs> I'll take it. So I'm all take down for Can I take it on two sides? I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe we just got to eat a steak, and then uh, one of us will tell the other how wrong we were. How about that? Oh, fair enough. I'm sure we'll do that in July either way. Thanks, as always, for your time, Matt. Good catching up. You got it, man. That was Matt Moscona from ESPN Baton Rouge joining on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Long interview. Covered a lot of ground there. Hope uh, you enjoyed some of that. Uh, I got a lot of messages on the ceasefire text line as we were talking. Uh, two things I want to say before we uh, wrap up. One, don't change the radio station, because coming up next, you've got Thunder and Lightning on the radio, hosted by Brian Haydad, all things Mississippi sports. That is from 6 o'clock until 7 o'clock. And also, if you well, want to sort of. What? Kind of. All things Mississippi sports. Did I, not say, did I say Mississippi State? No, you said Mississippi sports. Yeah, you said all no. things Mississippi sports. All things Mississippi. No Jackson State on uh, State on this one. Sports is what I meant to say. Um, if you were not with us at the beginning and you've not heard the news today, Mississippi State um, uh, mourns the death of a 19-year-old football player, Sam Westmoreland. Um, just a heartbreaking story. He was from Tupelo, 19 years old, offensive lineman, uh, former standout player at uh, Tupelo High School, and we extend our condolences 
to uh, to Sam's family and to his teammates and all of those who knew him. Godspeed for all of you. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.